Welcome to New Mansion Church. What you're about to hear is a message from our pastor, Dr. Jeff Mars Sr. To learn more about the church, visit newmansion.org. God bless and enjoy the message. Well, it's good to gather in the Lord's house. It's good to be together with all of you. I don't know about you, but I need this time when we can come apart from the world and we can worship together and we can spend time in the presence of the Lord and listen to His voice and hear what He has to say to us. And what a blessing it is just to be in His presence and to receive from Him. And so let's do that this morning. Let's enter into the presence of the Lord and be open to His Spirit and allow Him to speak to us as He desires to this day. This morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24 once again, if you will turn there with me. Matthew chapter 24, as we continue to look at these events, these end time events described to us in the Olivet Discourse. And we've spent a good deal of time looking at uh, the end times relating to the world, and last week we began this second section of the 24th chapter, the end times relating to Israel, the nation of Israel. Last week we took a look at the abomination of desolation, this time when the Antichrist enters into the temple and sets up his image there within the temple and demands to be worshipped. We've come to this point of the tribulation known as the the midpoint, uh, the three and a half year period of time into the tribulation and when these events begin to take place. And we know that because this is documented for us again and again and again in our Bibles. And Daniel describing to us 1,260 days, the Bible telling us in one place 42 months, a time, a times, and half a time it's referred to, this period of three and a half years. And so uh, documented again and again throughout our Bible, probably the most documented uh, time in terms of the, the actual amount of time. And this period of time in which we see all these events begin to unfold, and we've looked at the the tragedies that come to the planet Earth, but but as our Lord refers to the nation of Israel, and specifically uh, referring to these events that will unfold, we take a a closer look at that. As uh, Antichrist is is running around and, and pouring out his wrath on the world, what happens to the nation of Israel? And we'll take a look at that this morning, Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 16. Matthew 24, 16, the Bible says this. <clears throat> Let's just back up one verse to verse 15. Jesus saying, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea, Flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. 
I thought this morning, shelter from the storm. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, again, we enter into your presence this day, seeking your blessing, seeking your strength and your guidance. And Father, we pray that as your spirit moves and directs us, that you would lead us in your paths, that you would speak to us through your word, Father, that you would hear, Father, these requests that we have provided before you, these needs, personal needs, Father, needs of healing and strength, needs of hope for those who are lost and undone. Father, we live in such a troubled world today. We need peace in our hearts and our lives. We need our accounts settled with you. And so, Father, as we draw near to you this day, we ask you to work in our lives, to bring that peace, that hope, that strength, that understanding, and that comfort, Father. Be a blessing to us this day as we bless you, as we lift up your holy name, and as we worship in your presence and give you praise in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. The second coming of Jesus, well, first off, it warns the unbeliever of the judgment that is to come. But secondly, it also comforts the believer by telling us all these events that shall unfold, and it is an encouragement because the Lord says he has a reward for the believer. So what our Lord is doing here, he's doing two things. He's offering us comfort to say, this is your blessing, this is the hope, this is the way things will unfold in this world. And secondly, it is a warning to all those who don't know him, to say, these times are ahead, the times that we see. And get ready, and get right, and be ready to go with the Lord when he calls. Because the Bible says that God will appear personally. He will call his church home and And as I've related to you on several occasions, I do believe that will be at the very beginning of this tribulation that that God will call his church home. I think the Bible gives us ample evidence of that. And after that occurs, then then this period of time called the tribulation comes forth. Now, as we looked at the the words of Jesus and as the, the writings of Daniel, we see that. We see the evidence of that. Matthew 24 began and Jesus told us about the events of of the temple and how they would be destroyed. And then he went on to to give us these these amazing prophecies that are laid out before us, which are yet to be seen. We haven't seen them yet. What we have seen is exactly what Jesus said would happen, did happen. And that's the sign of a true prophet, a true man of God right there. God would always give two prophecies. He would give a near prophecy and he would give a further prophecy. And so as the events of the near prophecy came to fulfillment, it was an encouragement that, yes, just as all of these things happened exactly as they were said, so will these events that will someday happen. Jesus telling us that that the temple would be destroyed. Not one stone would be left upon another. And that would come to pass about 30 years or so after Christ was crucified these events would take place. And the temple being an amazing structure that no one could possibly conceive how this could happen. It made absolutely no sense at all. The temple was one of those, uh, those buildings. We call it Herod's Temple, but the temple was 
was actually begun before the birth of Christ. It was a work in progress, and it continued on. I believe it was started about 20 years before the birth of Christ. And it was, it was constantly in building. And they actually built on the temple until the year 66. It was destroyed in the year 70. So for some 80 years or so, this, this structure was being built, and, and it was so grand, and, and it was one of these wonders of the world to see. And yet it happened exactly as Christ said it would. And we understand, of course, Jesus being our Lord, his words being true, none of them will fall to the ground, the Bible says. And so as we see the, the prophecies that were given that made no sense that they would come to pass, coming to pass exactly, we understand the words of Christ are true. And someday all these events will come to pass as well. Last week we looked at this event called the Abomination of Desolation. And what we looked at, we looked at the prophet Daniel, and Daniel gave us, again, two prophecies. He told us about one who would come on the scene, this man named Antiochus Epiphanes, about the year 170 B.C., and the things that he would do, that prophecy being fulfilled exactly. And then Daniel telling us, just as our Lord told us, there will be this one to come on the scene someday, this madman that we identify by the name of Antichrist, who will set up himself as a world leader, drawing the world to him. He will be a beacon of hope in a world of chaos. He'll be someone who is able to speak to all of these events. But then about three and a half years into this period of time, this period of time called the tribulation, he sets up his image in the temple. We don't know exactly what that means. There's a lot of ways to promote an image in our day and time. But the one thing that we see is no longer is God to be worshipped now. He says, you will worship me. And that's where Jesus gives us this sign and he gives us these words that we see. These words directed toward the nation of Israel. And he says, when you see these events, and again that word, let the reader understand. Then the advice of our Lord is this to them. He says, Get out of town. It's time to flee. It's time to get away from these things. And him saying specifically that let them who are in Judea flee into the mountains. We understand that, that terminology. You and I are nowhere near Judea. Those who are in Jerusalem, in Judea, right there, are directed to flee, to get away, to get away from these events because this wrath of this madman is going to be unfolded at this time. And this incredible holocaust of the Jewish people will take place. This event called the Tribulation is a, is a period of time where two out of every three Jews will perish. Well, what about the Gentiles? What about them that are left? Well, if they're in Jerusalem at that time in Judea, I would recommend that they flee as well to the mountains. Is there an advice we can give to the Gentiles? Well, what we see here is that Jesus is speaking now that the hope that is there in this day and time will be directed mainly to the Jewish people, not necessarily to the Gentiles. Although the word of God will go out, his blessing will go out, there will be some that respond to that. This incredible holocaust comes. And it's a sad period of time. The worst period of time, Jesus says. 
for any that are upon planet earth. They're directed to flee into the mountains. Now, the Lord has a plan. He's not just saying you're on your own, do the best that you can. Amazingly, God, this is what we see in God's word. Even when we blow it, even when we miss the mark and we miss the bus and then we miss the train and then we miss everything after that, God is still saying, I still have a plan for your life. God has a plan for the nation of Israel. He has a plan for your life and my life as well. And in looking at this plan that our Lord has for the nation of Israel, in understanding in this incredible time of of turmoil and, and, and crisis that comes, that perhaps we can relate some to our time as well. Well, let's take a look this morning. I want to, to look for just a minute at Revelation chapter 12. That's where most of these events unfold that our Lord is referring to as he refers to this time here in Matthew 24. Jesus referring to a time when the nation of Israel will find themselves at odds with this world leader. And that is described to us by John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 12. And I want to look at Revelation 12, 6 this morning. These words, the symbolic language that is given to us here at this time. It says, And the woman fled into the wilderness. Now the woman is a picture of Israel. It is a picture of the nation of Israel where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. Twelve hundred and sixty days. That's three and a half years. Three hundred and sixty days to a Jewish year. You do the math, you'll come out with three and a half years. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought, and his angels prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The woman, and later on referring to the woman and the child, the nation of Israel being persecuted by Satan and by this one who is driven by Satan, the Antichrist. And, and here we get this picture of war in heaven. And who is, who is the warrior? It's Michael, the archangel. He's, he's the guy who's ready to fight. He's the one who is ready to stand forth and do the work that needs to be done. And it says that he fights the demons and prevails against them. Of course, we would expect him to prevail, uh, being a picture of our hero being the protector that's there. This has always been Satan's plan. It is one that has come against the nation of Israel since the very inception of time when he has sought to destroy it. We have seen this uh, throughout the, the Bible. We've seen this here in our near history and the events uh, that happened here in, uh, in Germany and those events that took place during World War II. A time of great persecution. We've seen that uh, again, after, after Christ uh, was resurrected and the, the events that took place there, uh, the homeland being removed from the Jewish people, God has constantly protected the Jewish people. And there's a reason for that, because he has made a covenant with them. He has made a promise to them that he will see them through. 
And you see, the same thing applies to you and I, the church. God has made promises to us. He has made a covenant with us. Eight covenants are are recorded in your Bible, the last one being the new covenant, where the Lord said that he would write his word upon our hearts. And there, you and I, as part of the new covenant, that God's word is written within us. It It is written upon our hearts. And there he calls out to us and he says, you belong to me, you are mine. I have purchased you with a price and I have a great future ahead for you. You see, we stand by that covenant. But God has a covenant for his people, the Jewish nation, even today. Well, I want to go ahead and look a little further in Revelation 12, looking at verse 13. It says, and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child, a picture of Christ who came from the nation of Israel. And And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time, that's one, and times, that's two, and half a time, that's three and a half. Again, three and a half years described to us. From the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out his mouth, forth out of his mouth, water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. What in the world is all that talking about anyway? That doesn't make a lot of sense when we look at it on the surface there. But what Jesus told us was this. He told us there will be a time of persecution when the enemy will come after the nation of Israel. And that's why he said, you need to get away to a place of protection that I have prepared for you. God has prepared a specific place of protection for the nation of Israel during this time called the Tribulation. And I believe that we can really see where that is when we look at the surrounding area around Judea and we look down into the area of of today, present Jordan, there is an area called Petra. It is the rock city of Petra that is there in this place. As we move through the mountains to this area called Petra, it is an amazing place. Petra is is a place that was built by the Edomites. And it is it has been there for many, many years, perhaps somewhere around 2,000 years before Christ. Esau and the Edomites moved into this area. It is basically a volcanic crater. And here within this, this area, the Edomites would carve out a city out of the rock. Within the rock walls of Petra, there are many amazing things to be seen. There are amphitheaters, there are banks, there are homes, there are places of business. And the amazing thing about it is they're all abandoned today. They're all sitting there empty. Amazing. You know, for years and years, uh, really until recent history, we would read these events of the Bible and try and figure them out, you know, as best we can as people. We always want to figure out what God's plan is. In 1812, there was a man named Johann Burkhardt. 
And what he did was he went looking for the lost city of Petra. It was, it was, it was assumed at that time to be just like the city of Atlantis, just a fable, just something that really didn't exist at all. And what he did was he finally got some Bedouins in this area to lead him through a path, through a steep canyon path in places only 12 feet wide with the walls on either side being between 200 and 1,000 feet high. And as you go through this little narrow pass, it opens up into this amazing city, the rock city of Petra. The Edomites built it. Perhaps a million people lived there at one time. But this is what we know about Esau. He was confident in himself. He didn't need God for anything. And at some point, because of plague and other things, that civilization was wiped out. There are no Edomites today. And that city sits there abandoned. A city built out of rock. And the amazing thing is, when you, when you come around that last corner, boy, I would like to see that someday, and you come around it and you see that city sitting before you, carved into the rock, the one thing that is, is first visible as you look at that, there are two enormous wings that are carved into the face of the rock. Eagle's wings that are there. Perhaps it is a picture of what God has in store. But this is what we do know. God says this. He says, I have a place of refuge for my people where I will take them there and I will nourish them there and I will carry them away somehow. Perhaps even supernaturally, God will carry them away. Uh, if, if God did it with Enoch, if he did it with Elijah, if he did it uh, with Elisha, if he did it with Philip, then he can do it with his people as well. Carry them to a place of protection where he feeds them. I don't know if he'll feed them with manna again or exactly how God will do it. But this is what we understand, that God will supernaturally guard his people, guide his people, and protect his people during this period of time. When all of the world is falling apart, they will find a protection and a safety and a shelter here that the Lord has provided for them in this place, this, this almost impenetrable place. We say, well, this, is, this isn't 2,000 years ago. What about... All the technology that we have today, surely that will be unleashed. But the Lord going on to say this, he says, the days will be shortened. And the word there literally is for the amount of light in the day. Not, not the, the days talking about the days that we live in, but the day itself, the daylight will be shortened. The days are going to be shortened. The days are going to be dark. It means nothing's going to grow. It means famine's going to be rampant everywhere. It means it's a lot harder to search for someone in darkness than it is in light. Satan will continue to, to search and seek to destroy God's people. The Bible referring to them here is God's elect. Now, many times uh, someone who takes a, a standpoint of a mid-tribulation rapture looks at this and says, well, that's the church. But I want to remind you that God is speaking of his elect in Isaiah 45 and Isaiah 65. In Romans chapter 11, he refers to Israel 
in these places as God's elect. We are God's elect as the church, but Israel is also God's elect. And this is what I want you to take away from all of this, okay? Because you're saying, well, what does this really have to do with me? I mean, we're talking about the future. We're talking about if we're Christians, we're going to go with the Lord in the rapture. We're not going to be a part of this. And what I want you to see about this is, is this, that God certainly is not finished with the nation of Israel. His covenant is there. His promise is everlasting. The hope that we have in him is rock solid. And God is going to provide for his own people in this day and time to bring forth a remnant. Now, we understand it will, it will be at most one out of three, the remnant that's there. But that's pretty much biblical, isn't it? The Bible says not all will be saved. The Bible says for you and I in this age of grace that only a few, it would seem, will make that journey to heaven. Many refusing to believe. Many turning their backs. And what our Lord says is this. He says, don't look back. Don't look back. Just go. Now, his advice to, during that day, he says, if you're on the housetop, then don't come down to get your things. Just go. That doesn't make a lot of sense to us. We don't spend a lot of time on our housetops. Unless we're roofing or something like that, we don't spend a lot of time up there. But for the Jewish people, of course, the housetop, the flat roof that they had, that was their patio. That's where they spent the evenings, was upon the housetop. Usually they had a set of stairs on the outside of the, of the home that would lead up to the housetop itself. And our Lord says this, he says, when these events come, don't turn back. Don't look back. Don't stop. Just go. What's our Lord saying? He says, believe my words and trust me. He says, pray that it's not in the wintertime when it's cold. Pray that it's not when you have little children because of the immense persecution of children. He says, pray it's not on the Sabbath. Well, if you are familiar with Israel and the area of Israel, everything stops on the Sabbath. You do not travel on the Sabbath. If you try and travel, there are still devout uh, areas where those rabbis, I've heard, will throw stones at you to stop you from doing work on the Sabbath. See, our Lord is not giving any indication of, of exactly when this event will happen, what day it will happen, but he says it will happen. And what he says is this, don't look back, don't second guess my words, just believe and go, and you're going to be cared for. And you know, that's really what our Lord says to you and I, the church, today. We can analyze the words of Christ. We can second-guess them, as has been done for all of the centuries. We can determine whether we think it's right or wrong, whether we think that it's true, whether we think it's gospel, good news, or whether it's foolishness. And the Bible says that the world looks at the Word of God as foolishness. It's foolishness to the world. It doesn't make any sense at all. Why should I believe the words that Christ speaks? Why shouldn't I scrutinize them for myself? Well, you know, as Christians, we, we read the Word of God. We, we prove the Word of God. But we don't doubt the Word of God. We believe what Christ said. And we trust Him because everything He ever said 
was going to come to pass has come to pass. And we have no reason to doubt him for the things that he says will come to pass. And when Christ speaks to your heart and mine, and he says, he says I'm knocking upon the door of your heart, and, and I have something for you. I have salvation for you. I have a revelation for you. Or I have a word for you. Or I have a, a task for you to do in your life. And when he gives us that urgency upon our hearts, he says, don't look back. Don't stop at this point. Don't stop to analyze. Don't stop to collect your thoughts just as they were tempted to collect their things. Oh, aren't we just so, at times, so tempted when the Spirit of the Lord speaks to us? Oh, now wait a minute. Let me collect my thoughts on this and really decide what I'm going to do. And our Lord tells us, no. He says, I've given you the pure thought that you need. I've given you the pure inspiration that you need. He says, you've, you've given yourself to me. I've spoken to you. Now go forth, he says, and do these things. And trust me. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to shield you. And yes, there's going to be persecution that comes to you and I in this world. There's going to be things that we face. We face our own brand of tribulation in our day and time. But understand this, if God can protect his people in the wilderness for three and a half years, miraculously take them there and feed them there and protect them from the, every strategy that Satan will bring against them, then understand this, church. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's what the Bible says. Even though Satan will, will rage in our day and time, and he will bring rampage against your life. And he will seek to defeat you in any way that he can. You serve a God who is there, who is interceding for you, who is looking out for you. And Paul said, I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things that are to come, shall separate us from the love of Christ. That's the promise that God has for us. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to leave us behind. He's not going to say, well, do the best that you can. His hope and His promise for you and I, the children of God, is that He's going to see us through. He will shelter us. He will feed us. He'll give us that protection and that hope that we need. Today we have the Word of God before us. We have the opportunity to feed upon it. We have the hope that we have in Christ and this incredible salvation that He has given into our lives. We have the promise of those things that are yet to come. You see, church, our future is bright today. Our hope in Christ is bright and our future is bright because of what Jesus has done in our lives. We don't have to look with doom and gloom at the outlook and things that are ahead. And it's awfully tempting in this day and time to look at the, the events that are around us with doom and gloom and say, things are really, really bad. And things are bad in the world today. But our future is bright and our hope in Christ is solid. So let's trust in Him for what He has for us. Stand with me, if you would, as we conclude our service with an invitation this day.
What about you? Are you trusting in Christ? Are you trusting in his promises? Are you trusting in his word? Are you finding refuge in the shelter of that rock that is Christ from the storms of life? Are you finding strength and nourishment in his word? Or do you feel weak and feeble, unable to go on this day? Unable to make it? Christ has a hope and a promise for you. He has a strength for you. He has an encouragement for you. If you need that this morning, if you stand in need, he says, I am standing ready to supply. Have you allowed him to strengthen you, to fill you, to nourish you? That's his promise to you and I. That's the hope that we have in Christ. And he will perform what he has promised to perform in his word. How do we draw strength from him? Well, we simply come with a need and we trust the Lord to supply. If you need that strength this morning, if you would just like to come and pray this day, this altar's open, it's available for you, it's ready. Our Lord has promised he will meet you here to supply your needs. To meet you at the place of grace because that's what our Lord does. He provides that grace and he gives it freely as we come and ask. Some have come to pray this morning. If you'd like to come, come join them this day as we call upon the Lord. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. So thankful for your many blessings. Blessings of hope and promise. Blessings of strength. Blessings that you will nourish us, Father. That you will feed us with your holy manna. Blessings of protection. Father, how we need your blessing in this day and time. How we need your strength and your encouragement. How we need boldness in our lives, Father just to simply follow you and trust you and stand strong in this day and time. In the events of our world, in the events of our lives, Father, bless us, Father. Help us. Strengthen us. Give us that peace and that hope that we stand in need of. Lead us in your paths of righteousness, Father. May our ways be your ways. And may our hope be only in you, Father, that we may be found worthy to walk in your name, to worship in your name, to speak your holy name in authority and power for the blessing that comes in your holy name. We give you praise and thanks. The place of grace, the place where our Lord meets us, Thank you for joining us at New Mansion Church Online. We would love to connect with you at newmansion.org. You can connect with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Marsh Sr. at pastorjeffmarsh.com. 
God bless, and we hope to see you again soon.